Counting votes, is that what you said? They're still trying to figure out who won? They have no results yet? You know, I actually turned to that last night before falling asleep. <laughs> well, you would have got a lot of great sleep last night because they had nothing. Yeah. No news this morning either. No, they're saying it may be <laughs> sometime this afternoon, and I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for them. I and, can't believe it. And this is the party that wants to run our country. Yeah, they they, they want to go over the next 10 years, $97 trillion, and spend it for us. <sighs> did you hear, what, what did you say? How much did they spend on that app that, that went in the tank? I think it was about $63,000. That's not a lot in the software world for that type of thing. Mm, nope, it isn't. In fact, here here's uh, Klein. What was Klein's for? Rick? Rick, Rick Klein, Klein of ABC News. He talked about what was going on last night. This was from about two hours ago that I picked this up off of ABC News. You got you have that for us to hear? Yeah, let's hear Rick Klein. This delay not stopping the candidates stepping forward from the waiting game to rally their supporters. Take a listen. So we don't know all the results. But we know by the time it's all said and done, Iowa, you have shocked the nation. Let me begin by... I don't want to listen at all that. That's, that's the, that's that's the, the candidates. Bruha. All the candidates trying to say they won. Sanders said it. Buttigieg jumped out last night and said, I had such a great day. Yeah, they we know had the, zero we had about the, the, the results. Hidden, the hidden homosexual vote came out in droves for me. <laughs> they know zero, except for their sorry. own watchers. You know, they had watchers in all the rooms. Yeah, so they each yeah. did you see how thinks they, they know. This? Did you watch how they did it? They were showing it last I night. I saw some of it. They showed they were at a high school gym. Uh, at this one In one county, evidently, they, they knew they were going to get quite a few people there. And what they did is they started out, and if you were like, let's say you were a Sanders supporter, you went and saw, sat in this part of the gym. You know, turn yourself on there. That's how they do the caucuses. Yeah. So you're sitting over here, and then everybody went to their area, and then they count everybody, and then they all talk, and then <laughs> and then they say, okay, if you've changed your mind. Now go to the candidate you support. And now they all move around. And then they recount the people who moved into each area. Was it three times? They I think of? they do that three times. And then, and then <laughs> they take and they add, subtract, and divide, and they come up with an overall percentage. My understanding is in each um, caucus place, they count the number of people in the room, total people, mm-hmm. and then you've got to have 15% of those total people in your corner. By the way, in one county, 
Biden didn't have 15 percent. I know. And it was one of the bigger counties. The video, I mean, if you were watching TV, you saw some of the video and some of the air. I saw Warren's table look like it was very, very thin at this one place. Uh And then another place, there were lines of people and Biden's line was really tiny compared to all the other lines. Now, I said, it's kind of like musical chairs. How do they know? You know, is it like at 6.15 a.m. we're going to count your room and then you get to move around and at 7.30 we're going to count again? How do they know when the music stops? Yeah, they play cake. They play a cakewalk music. Oh, no. You, you remember going to the, to the schools and they did the cakewalk? Oh, yeah, cakewalk. And you'd walk around and the music would stop and if you weren't in the, in a square, you lost. You lost. You had to get out if you didn't get a seat or whatever. I never want a cake. It was musical chairs when I was a kid, yeah, you know, well, but it's, it's kind of like that. I don't understand. Well, I guess I do. If you're supporting, they talked with a gal that was a supporter of uh, Kenya. Uh, sorry, not Ken Yang. <laughs> Yang, the candidate. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, I'm going to support him, but, but if I have to switch, I don't know. Who, you know, I don't know who I'm going to switch to, and uh, I, I, I have no idea what I'll do. Maybe I'll just go home. Because when they don't get enough, when any one candidate doesn't get the 15%, that group knows it. They can switch to another candidate or they can go home. If they walk out of the room, that changes that total number of people in the room. This is a constantly changing calculation on every single candidate in every single caucus in every single minute. And I find it appalling that they did not test the software on this smartphone app. They didn't even check it. But here's what was weird. It didn't work, okay? Fine and dandy. They had all the paper ballots and everything. When they tried to call them in, they couldn't get through. That was the the second failure, the backup call. You're supposed to be able to call the phone line for help. Two and a half hour wait. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody fell asleep somewhere. I'm just... just, I'm just telling you. There was supposed to have a a three-pronged system. You know, it was the cell phone thing, the app on the phone. But they were supposed to be, and they did, take photographs. And then there was some kind of calculation on the actual delegates. And that's the three pieces that didn't match up, they said. I wanted to tell you, Zach seems to have gotten in touch with one of the uh, caucuses still that's meeting. Go ahead. What are they doing over there, Zach? Okay, he's trying to hook up. A- there it is. There it is. Music's going to stop. That's what you're doing. <laughs> hey, listen. Hold on. Keep listening here. This went on all night in Iowa. All right. This one delay. See? Just stop. And they're still That's marching. And they're yeah, still they're marching. still marching around. They now, don't someone, know what's going to happen. Someone on the news early this morning said, I'm standing here in front of the, the headquarters for the Democrat Party. The lights are on. Nobody's home. Yeah. <laughs> They've right. gone to a different location. They're not taking calls from the precinct captains. They said people were knocking on people's doors at 1 o'clock this morning going, where are the results? Mm-hmm. The Democrat Party hung up on several precinct captains that called them to okay, find out. We, we have Rick Klein now, right? Look, here's what Rick Klein had to hear. All eyes on the Hawkeye State home to the much-anticipated Iowa caucus. But tonight, the unprecedented delay. No projections of a winner yet. The Iowa Democratic Party saying the results were, quote, postponed due to quality checks, adding that they found inconsistencies in the reporting. We now go straight to ABC's political director, Rick Klein. 
Rick, what are you learning tonight? Byron, this was a complete meltdown of the of the voting process and of the reporting system. These are caucuses, so they're a little bit different than regular elections. So people gather in these rooms, and those results get tabulated in the rooms, and then they get sent back to party headquarters. Some 1,600 of these locations, that's where the problem started. Uh, the, the party had an app that it had never used before. That didn't work in all cases. And what happened is some of the information wasn't getting sent, or the party was noticing inconsistencies in that information. Then some of these precinct people would try to call, call them up. They got busy signals. They weren't able to get through. They were put on hold. The bottom line is that even now we have no results in from the Iowa Democratic Party on these first in the nation uh, nominating contests. It has cast a shadow over the kickoff to this uh, election right, season for Democrats. It right there. It's unacceptable. It has cast, it has cast a shadow. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, I think it probably has cast a shadow. Six more weeks of something for the the Democrats. It's like you said, these are the folks who want to run our country. That's what's spooky, and I'm laughing about it. But, you know, I mean, this is a major fail. In 2016, we didn't get the results until, what, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning or something because it took a long time. But we're only talking a couple hundred thousand roughly. Don't exactly know, of course, how many people turned out. Yeah, but they recount them. Like how long does it times. take? Yeah, how long does it take? And you've got apparently photographic evidence, so it shouldn't be that hard. I think the problem is when they get into division. <laughs> they said the phone app was nothing but a sophisticated calculator. They do, they do, you know, they do okay in the addition and, and the multiplication, maybe. but they can, and maybe even the fractions. Now, I had problems with fractions when I was in school, but the division, the long division is cause problems with them. And I think they refuse to allow them to use a calculator. They have to do it in their head. That's the real <laughs> you problem. You have to do your own work. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to show your work. Show too. your work. Well, clearly they're having trouble with that this morning. I, I'm just, it reminds me of the DNC hack of the emails, okay? They turned around and told our federal government, no, no, we don't need any help to investigate this. We're just going to have crowd strike. Our Homeland Security Department went to the Democrat Party and said, you've got a new app. We'll be happy to help you test it. And they said, no, we're good. Thank you. What is wrong with these people? I mean, after all, we paid $63,000. Yeah, we paid a lot of money. (laughs) Folks, $63,000 for an app of that type is, there's something wrong with that picture. But here's what I think is going on. They don't want Bernie Sanders as the the nominee. Would they go this far, Dave? Oh, Yes. Would they really? See, I... Give themselves a total black eye across the whole country to prevent Mr. Sanders from being the nominee. Yeah, here's what I've been predicting. I thought last night what would happen is that they've been talking about how Biden has been trailing. Sanders has been gaining and picking up a lot of momentum. And then all of a sudden, Biden was going to show strong. And Uh, so that way they could, you know... Reinvigorate him. Yeah, yeah. reinvigorate his whole campaign. It didn't happen It did not happen. You can't... You can't. It's hard to reinvigorate a dead person. I'm just telling you, it's hard to do that. Hard to wake them up. It's just like Robert Steinbach says. You see Biden, and he's got oatmeal drooling out of the side of his mouth. It's the truth. He's not ready for prime time. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right about that. We'll talk more about this. Also, the uh, really, really, really uh, shocking news that came out of. Uh, Rush Limbaugh show yesterday. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, stick around. We're going to tell you about it when we come back. We got we got traffic coming up. 
We got traffic coming up. We got weather coming up. You stick with us. Sixty to it's sixty degrees. Sixty degrees on the third of Fe- or fourth of February, and it's about eighteen minutes after six here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth is here in the studio. She's not at home texting me saying <laughs> I'm checking on that Dave. I'm checking on that Dave. She's always doing checks for me to give me information. And the bottom line is she's here in the studio today. But we'll have more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Second day of my morning show. Start at 6 a.m., go to 9 a.m. I'm up at 3 a.m. checking out the stories so that we can tell you what you need to know so when you get to the water cooler today, if that's where everybody stands now, I don't even know if it's a water cooler. It might be the vodka cooler for all I know. The Keurig maker. Yeah, yeah, the Keurig maker. (laughs) As you're getting your cup of coffee ready. Uh, Bottom line i give you the information you need so that you can uh, sound like you know what's going on. It's uh, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh program. You know, it's Zach makes me feel old. I just got to tell you, he, put your headphones on. Get your microphone there. You make me feel old. <laughs> I, I told him I wanted a piece of uh, audio from 1974, 74. okay, for Patricia Hurst. He goes, Patricia Hurst? Uh-huh. And he he doesn't know who Patricia Hurst is. Uh, Patricia Hurst was the daughter of Randolph Hurst, correct? Yep. Who was a big newspaper mogul at Huge the time. Huge mogul. Yeah. You know, Huge. Lots and lots and lots of money. And uh, she was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army uh, in uh, Berkeley, California, uh, back in 74. On this day in 1974 and uh that's where the stockholm syndrome came from you've heard the stockholm syndrome right where you start identifying with your captors see that's how that was her defense because she took part in some bank robberies and stuff and they were trying to say see you, you shouldn't punish her because she started identifying with her captors because of the uh the stockholm syndrome were you able to find the, the news report on it well i have a um, video on youtube from today's news you know six minute piece basically well give give us a little bit of it here we go or a saga as surreal as their era the 1970s were the craziest times of the 20th century political yeah, violence economic disaster with gas lines political crisis with watergate out of that chaos came the Symbionese Liberation Army, or the SLA, a disorganized but deadly domestic terrorist group of just eight people who in February 1974 kidnapped 19-year-old Cal Berkeley student Patricia Hurst. In retrospect, I have trouble figuring out what it was that these people wanted, except to be noticed, and that they certainly accomplished. She was the granddaughter of William Randolph granddaughter. Hearst, newspaper Sorry. tycoon and inspiration that. for the 1941 film Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, American heiress author Jeffrey Tubin. As the names Gates or Zuckerberg are today, the name Hearst was to the 1970s. Okay, no. right. just, I just kind of give you a, a real kind of catch up on, on that, but it was on this day in 1974, Patricia Hearst, then 19 was kidnapped by the SLA or the Symbionese Liberation Army. A leftist organization 
bent on bringing terror to our country. Yeah. Back then, one even of the in early the 70s. Ones. One of the early ones. Uh, in 1789, the electors met, and George Washington was chosen to be the first president of the United States. Wow. Slave owner, no good guy, not the greatest president yeah. by any stretch no. of any, according to the left, at least. Horrible. That's the way they they said. On this day in history. On this day in history in 1861, big day. Delegates from six southern states that had recently succeeded from the Union men in Montgomery, Alabama, to form the Confederate Red States of America. CSA, baby. There you go. Uh, 1913, Rosa Parks, a black woman whose 1955 refusal to give up her seat on a Montgomery, Alabama city bus to a white man sparked the Civil Rights Revolution, was born. An American hero. In Tuskegee. And then in 1938, Walt Disney's animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, opened in general U.S. release. And no... I was not there for the red carpet. I would not have. I don't know. It'd been kind of cool to see the seven dwarfs walking on the the red carpet. <laughs> I, I kind of would have enjoyed that if that would have happened. That's before we knew all the things we now know about Disney and all that hidden symbolism that's in those movies. Yeah, we would have put. We would have put. Uh, what's that stuff? That uh, sticky stuff that you get uh, that uh, stick stuff to the wall and stuff. Not super glue, but uh, that you sew it on fabric. And, Velcro. Velcro, thank you. See, we could have put Velcro on the seven dwarfs and the dwarf, you know, dwarf tossing. Do you even know what dwarf tossing oh, is, Zach? No. You don't even know. <laughs> Only what you. He Only does not you. Know what, dwarf, what, what dwarf tossing is? Yes, I do know what it is, and yes, I did take part of it when it was the thing to do at bars. <laughs> dwarfs used to put on these outfits. Oh my God! That had Velcro, and it had straps in the yep, front and yep, on the back. Yep. And you would grab hold of them and throw, throw them, them on the wall. The wall. <laughs> and it had numbers, and you would whoever got the highest number would win that round. So, yeah. They've the stopped. things people do to make money. Well, they, they were upset that people were, like, coming to their aid because they were making good money doing this stuck stuff. Stuck on the wall. So they, they didn't have any problem being stuck on a wall. They didn't have no problem with it at all. It was hilarious. You had to be there, though. You just had to be there. That's the way it was. All right, so we've got uh, news. Or is it news at bottom? We've got news because we didn't get. We haven't had the new person I want us to join us, but uh, we'll get that taken care of in the next few days. But the bottom line is uh, when we come back after the news, uh, we're going to uh, take the time to talk about Rush Limbaugh. Yesterday at the end of his show, about the last 10 minutes, he talked about he's been diagnosed uh, with uh, stage four lung cancer. Advanced lung cancer. Yeah. And look, I've known some people that are close to me that have been diagnosed with that. And it's not a death sentence like it used to be. I was reading an article yesterday about 40, 45% of the people diagnosed with it at that late stage uh, can be completely cancer free. And, uh, and it happens for a lot of people. So uh, we'll come back. We'll talk further about that. If you hadn't heard about it, yeah, Rush is not going to be on today. Pro- he's hoping to be back Thursday is the word that we've been given, which means uh, he's having some tests run today and tomorrow, then come back on 
Thursday. Uh, Stein will be on today. Mark Stein, and I know there's many people that are sort of fans of Mr. Stein. Yeah, and he probably will be doing a lot of the fill-in is what he yes, said. Yes, he will. We'll be doing quite a bit of that. So we'll be back in just a moment. We're going to have some traffic weather for you and all that kind of stuff. But news first right here on 101. Back in Iowa. We're still trying to figure out the, the results of the uh, caucus. And no results yet. All right. Just so you know. It's going no on 12 results. hours since they started. Yeah, no no results at this time. All right, so yesterday, if you were listening uh, to El Rushbo uh, in the afternoon, as you know, he is here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, uh, from 11 o'clock until uh, 2 o'clock. And his addition to our schedule, along with Sean Hannity being uh, added to our schedule and Jay Sekulow being added to our schedule, uh they came to me and said, Dave, do you mind doing the morning since everybody wants a good morning show that's about local stuff and talking about what's going on here and in Arkansas and stuff? And do you mind going and doing uh, mornings again that you used to do 30 years ago and haven't done here in Arkansas over yo, the last almost 20 years I've been on the afternoons? And I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. That's no problem. Because I, I used to be a programmer uh, just five years ago. And uh, one of the things as a programmer, you know, about talk radio is as the morning show goes, so goes the rest of the day, typically. Sets the tone. Nothing, nothing against Hugh Hewitt, but Hugh Hewitt, not talking about Arkansas. The only time he talks about Arkansas when you got Tom Cotton on. And Tom Cotton likes to be on Hugh Hewitt's show. Now, I've got to call Tom's office and say, look, since Hewitt's not on any longer, you can do it with me. All right. And then we'll feed it to the Sun Network and they can use it all across the Salem Radio Network. But bottom line is, um, Rush is here. And so everybody was really stunned, I believe. I know I was when I heard about it. I didn't hear him say it on the air. I just know after he said it on the air, I got about 17 text messages like yep. that. Just yep. boom, hit me. It was a shockwave across and, yeah, the country And yesterday. I started looking at it. And, I, and it, it wasn't from listeners. It's from fellow talk show hosts yes. that I know across the yes. nation. And saying, did you hear what Rush just announced? And I said, no, I'm not listening. I, I said, in, in fact, it was right around 2 o'clock. I had just woke up. I had taken a, a nap. And uh, they said, he just announced that he's got stage 4 lung cancer. Now, first, let me say, it kind of doesn't surprise me because Rush Limbaugh is a notorious cigar smoker. Oh, he smoked cigars for a long time. Yeah, I mean... Didn't he smoke cigarettes when he was younger, too? I don't know if he did or not. I don't remember. I don't I mean, remember. He, and it's not a guaranteed thing. It's not like he smoked one. He was known to smoke five or six or seven a day. And, you know, if you've been around, some, if you've been around cigars, you know they're a lot stronger than uh, uh, cigarettes. And so I do believe... Uh, this probably precipitated this whole thing that he has right now. Uh, I can't. 
I can't say for certain that that's the case. I mean, it could be secondhand smoke. But 80% of lung cancers are caused by smoking. And so uh, Rush has been known uh, to smoke cigars, believe but me. But it's not a guarantee. I've I know met an individual... him several times, and he was smoking a cigar. Oh, yeah, okay. and he used to be a cigarette smoker. Uh, yeah. But I know an individual, that uh, a lady, was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer, has never smoked before in her lifetime. Yeah, it could be so, second I mean, you, know, you can get all sorts of diseases from all sorts of reasons. could but, run in uh, your family. Believe it or not, it does gen- you know, genetically run in some families. Yes, it does. Like so, a lot of other diseases, we have genetic yeah. predisposition, that That's 50 it. cent word. Yeah. We just hope, I know he I'm can get the best that care. Word, I'm going to I'm gonna give that word 75 cents. Oh, come on. That's better than a 50 cent word. Just add it up. You know, it's got it a lot up. of letters in it. It's got a lot of, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's got a lot Let's try of again. <laughs> All right, so 75 cents for that word. So and remind me as you're leaving today to give you 75 cents. Get just tally it up. Just tally you know, it for up. all of that. But yeah, it 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 can, and and it it's tough. Uh, the treatment for it is tough. Uh, but if I know people, I know people who have had it. I know people who are tough, and they get through it. If it's anybody, hard. If anybody can stand Rush up to it, can Rush get can do through it. it. Yeah, he's and think about a lot this. Of other things. How many millions of viewers does he have? Think of all the prayers. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. A lot of people. Oh my gosh! I mean, what is it? The prayer warriors over are on twenty it. million people a day. A day yeah, to him. a day, and you know, yeah. I guarantee you, the prayer warriors are on it. So, and he yeah. can get the very best care. He, you know, MD Cancer Center, what MD Anderson? Yeah, I don't know go. where he's going to go. I mean, he um, he can go wherever he, can get he wants the best. to. It's so. that simple. Bottom line is, I expect that uh, he's going to be back at full steam again in the, in the near future. He'll be missing days. Uh, at times, because he's going to have to go through treatment. That means radiation and chemotherapy. And you who have the, had cancer know that takes a lot out of you. It and, and I know a lot of people think doing talk is no big deal. I'm going to tell you what. To get ready to do a show, it is a big deal. It well, takes a lot to get ready for a show. They said it yesterday. You've said it to me. But how many radio talk show host listeners you're out there you listen to the radio how many folks have you ever heard who can do three straight hours with nothing else That's right. but him yeah all him straight on straight through boom 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 for three straight hours every day with unique content for 30 years for 30 years for 30 years five a days a week three hours a day all right so you're talking 15 hours a week original times content. 52 times 30 all right, that, that's how many hours of original programming Rush has done. It is just unbelievable what he's done. And he he completely reinvented talk radio. He really did. Well, he brought it back, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it had sort it of had died been out. Around and, and, but it wasn't going been, anywhere. There's been big talk show hosts before on the radio, uh, but they disappeared. And then Rush came, and Rush is, you know, when you think that radio has been around for about 100 years, and Rush has been around 30 of those years. 50. Yeah, pretty amazing. Looking at that 50 over here on your wall, Dave, you've been around for 50 years in this business, sir. That's kind of scary. You've been doing original content. You've been doing hours and hours every day. We wouldn't be sitting here right now if it weren't for Rush Limbaugh, though. No. It really, I mean, really, not not doing conservative the type talk of radio. radio we're doing now. You're right. That's right. Absolutely, because 
when I first came into the business and, uh, you know, bottom line, uh, it, um, most program directors want you to talk about happy stuff. They want you to talk about happy things. And that that's what they wanted because it, it was of kind of a it was well I do you <laughs> yeah, know it was kind of yeah. a break over uh, from uh, rock and roll radio is what it was. In fact, the first talk show host came from rock and roll radio because the morning shows on rock and roll radio was a precursor of talk radio. I mean, I give you a really good ex- <laughs> I'll give you a really good example of that right here. In Little Rock. I know what you're going to say. Okay, because you've got Tommy. Yep. Over there on the buzz. And he's doing talk now. Yep. But he used to do talk on magic in the mornings on a, uh, a rock and roll station. Here's what I never understood. And I arg- I've argued this with many, uh, with many an owner. Your first, you know, your morning show, someone like Tommy... I think Big Dave was part of that and whatever. And you have this huge listenership to it. And you're selling ads for huge amounts of money. Little Rock big money, but we're still talking. It's the market we're in. Higher, (laughs) higher ads. And then suddenly it was all music all the time, right, to do that. And their ratings would go from like, a nine share to a three share. And I said, why don't you continue doing the talk? That's what people want to hear. Here, and this is the bottom line. It's still the bane of radio and media. Don't want to pay another person. There you go. Isn't that the case everywhere? That's what it came down. I don't want to pay another person. Easier to run the mechanical equipment and let it run the music. You know what happened is that they'll just get really, really popular, and then I'll have to pay them more. And I said, well, you'll be able to because you'll be making more money. Spend money to make money? You know, that just makes sense to me. So anyway, that's a little stuff going on in in radio. and, And you're seeing it play out terribly within the business now with some of the big boys and how they're just just lopping heads off left and right. They can't at, afford at to radio keep it. stations. Well, can't they can. Oh, they can. They don't. They say they cannot afford to keep it. Yeah, going. that's what they say because they're the bane of radio was when mom and pops that owned the stations got out of the business and sold to the big boys, and the big boys have to make the numbers for the stockholders. And yeah, it's not about pleasing the listeners. No, it's about pleasing the stockholders. That's exactly right. And they don't understand that those two things are sort of connected. <laughs> and, it, and the content on the radio station uh, is not what stockholders are worried about. They're worried about the dollars and cents that the radio station is making at any given time. And I'm not going to say that some of the stations didn't have a lot of fat and need to be trimmed some. But there's a difference between taking fat off the body of a radio station and and starting to amputate limbs, that's totally different. I ought to talk to listeners. You know, I'm a radio listener, have been for a long time, all my lifetime. I think listeners, my personal opinion, I'd rather hear a, an individual talking to me a little bit and some music, sure. But, I mean, I can go home and play my podcast and play my music all I want. That's I want that interaction. It's like like they said this morning about Rush Limbaugh. He makes people feel that he's personally connected. He's sitting with you in your car. He's sitting with you in your kitchen talking to you. 
That's what I like as a listener about talk radio. Hey, break! Wait, wait, break! Oh, sorry, I was riding with a guy out there on 67, and he just about hit somebody in the rear end. He wasn't whoop, whoop, paying attention. Careful. He was listening yeah, to what be, you were saying. Was listening. Yeah, we got to be careful. But I'm just saying, you know, we want some interaction. We don't want just a cold, sterile music playing all the time. I think listeners like interaction. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And they do like a little bit of music as <laughs> we, we got to get to traffic and we got to pay some spots and whatever. Here's what's going still on in iowa right now a little bit of music here for you here on the uh, the dave ellswick show yep watch for your chair <laughs> all right th- th- this story just breaking zach you're gonna love this one clinton campaign veterans there have, are the people who run the firm that built the disastrous Iowa caucus phone app. It was Clinton people. We should have known it all along. The left is so incestuous. We should have known. I mean, that are they are they scheming along. to put Hillary back in at the last minute? Well, we played that that audio last week about I mean, her saying, "Yeah, you know, I can hear it calling me." If you, if you folks are Bernie Sanders supporters, you should be beyond livid. Yeah, a little bit away from uh, politics. Did you see this about K.J. Uh, Costello? Zach, you didn't see it. You know, the quarterback of Stanford? He's transferring to Mississippi State for his uh, final season of college football. It was a play for Mike Leach. He'd been uh, dominating the uh, 2018 campaign with the Cardinal, announced the decision on his Instagram yesterday. And uh, so here he comes. It's a huge get for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. It's a massive transfer signing. Everybody knows Leach likes airing it out all over the field. Yeah, Texas Tech comes to the SEC, kind of is what's going to happen. Uh, throwing the ball is what the offensive genius loves doing. It's made him a winner everywhere he's gone. It's allowed his quarterback to put up monster stats. And now he's building up a new offense in Starkville, and he just found himself his quarterback because Costello is a very good player. He had some injury issues last year. Uh, but I'll bet just about anything he flourishes under Mike Leach. I bet you he does very well. He's going to put up some big, big numbers. No surprise to me to that. It might only be February, but the 2020 season is, is now off to a hot start for Leach and the Bulldogs. It looks like the fans are in for a very fun time with Costello running uh, the offense. So, there you have it. That should be uh, interesting. Things are, the SEC is really changing. The West is really changing. They've come to the modern day. That's basically what they have done. All of them. Well, for the most part, I would say probably about 65% of the conference have decided to finally open things up. Yeah, just really, really crazy. It is, it's nuts, man. I got to tell you, it's really crazy about what's, What's coming on, man? I'm just telling you. I mean, think about it. LSU had to get rid of less miles in order to change things up. He left. Less miles. They ran him out of town. He had to go. I mean, they were loose to Alabama for what, eight years straight. And yeah. I mean, it just, it was unacceptable, basically. Yeah. Just, you, you couldn't get into the playoffs is one thing, but doggone, can't be losing to Alabama every year. Some Lord of the worst knows offense terrible. you'll ever see in football. That's terrible. Well, and he didn't, he couldn't tell time on the clock. We saw, 
We saw that happen more than one time. You know, I can't remember who the Washington Redskins player was. It was a great offensive lineman. Okay. And Mike Ditka used to say he's he's got the, the thought pre- process of a melon. <laughs> and, and and that was kind of the same way with <laughs> with with uh with uh, wow. Les. I mean, not the brightest bulb in the box, so to speak. I'm just saying. <laughs> and nothing against LSU fans. Please don't in, inundate me <laughs> with with uh, emails and, and texts today. All right. I mean, heck, you got a you got a football coach right now. You listen to him talk, and you still don't. Do the players really know what he's saying? <laughs> he sound he sounds like my old high school coach, <laughs> Seipold. He does. He sounds like he sounds like he gargled broken glass when he got up in the morning. But whatever he's saying, his body movement along with it, is, it <laughs> motivates the team. It motivates <laughs> them. So whatever. Else. He's really something to watch. He is. I mean, he's um he's a passionate man. I love That's him. Who he All is. right. Or he's wrong. And he's a guy. He's taken his licks over the years. No, most definitely. I mean, USC gave him a chance, and he did a fine job. But then they let him go because, of course, they wanted to improve from Ed Orgeron. He comes to LSU. They give him basically the entire, you know, everything that he wanted to do. And he's taken advantage of it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. He, and you can't argue with the success he's had. Now, I'm going to have got to be honest. If you're an LSU fan, you got to be honest, too. Because Burrow's going to be gone next year. That's right. Who's that? Who's that? That wideout they got that runs like the Flash. Man, they have so many of them. I can't even think of his name right now. The guy who who caught like three touchdown passes in the playoffs. I mean, he was he was incredible how quick he was. Somebody in this is the year. Just to say for the NFL draft, this is the year for wideouts. This is a wide receiver. Uh, draft. This it's year. arguably the best wide receiver draft. Maybe, yeah, maybe the best. Ever. You're right. Just uh, for consistently having a lot of them. Colts are already talking about they want a good one. They, I think they need to find themselves a decent quarterback. They they're kind of looking at that kid from Utah. Looks okay. like they're looking at maybe drafting him. Uh, be interested to see how well he does. But yeah, they need somebody can throw the ball down the field. I mean, yeah. the way Luck got out of playing the NFL, I don't blame him for getting out because he had been injured so many times. I just didn't like the way he did it. Well, you know, as close to the season as it was. What's interesting is because, you know, like I say, you know, he was carrying that team for years. And then when they finally, or let's say they changed management, yeah. they changed the, up the um, what do you call the, the front GM. office, and they started making moves to improve the team around him. And then he leaves. It's like, man, you know, if he wasn't so beat up, if he wasn't mentally drained from all the hits he took, the team is is actually a pretty talented team. Okay, so I got to ask you, we got just a couple of moments left here. We're going to have to take a break for news. I know you're a Patriots fan. You're a huge Patriots fan. You have not known anything but Tom Brady. That's right. With the Patriots. Now he's a free agent. $30 million a year has been offered by the Pats. Yep. and But I don't think money means that much to Tom Brady, to be honest. He's got, you know, Tom's got a lot of money already. I will be interested to see if he wants to go somewhere to prove 
that he's that good, not that the coach is that good. Yeah, you know, just like a few years ago, Bill Belichick wanted to trade Brady for Garoppolo. Yeah. And he wanted to prove without Tom Brady that, you know, he's as good of a coach. But to tell you the truth, I think that as long as we possibly get the pieces that we need at wide receiver and other places, I think he'll come back. I uh, think so. For all the people who think that they can play NFL quarterback, well, why didn't he do that? You know, let me just tell you what. Watch the replay in the fourth quarter when the San Francisco quarterback fell back and the defensive end for the Chiefs got loose and got a straight shot at him. Yeah. And he hit him into tomorrow. I mean, he was, he was laying on the ground and was holding his head. You could tell that that one had rattled his brain. Right. He probably was seeing three people as he walked off the field. I don't know how he came back in when he did. I think the guy probably should have been under some kind of protocol he, or something. He came back in, but he was not the same. No, he was not. That guy just ran right. He tackled him, as you say. He ran through him. That's what happened. All right, we got to get the break. We got uh, news coming up. Stick around. The Bible guys are on their way. They've got uh, all kinds of answers for you. I got all kinds of questions for them. If you got a question for the Bible guys, it's BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. people you know what i think now this is something i was aware of you know bc but what would be more appropriate music i think would be the theme from the benny hill show <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one i i just wanted some cakewalk music right. you know remember when you used to go to the the schools and they'd have a cakewalk mm-hmm. yeah. and all the moms would like you know bake cakes now they don't do it because they're afraid that people have baked marijuana into them all oh, right so you know that you, probably, got, you well, got all that going on in this day and age you're probably not worried about that so much as they're worried about there might be a single peanut in there or an almond that's or, true or 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 yeah so. absolutely some something somebody's allergic to <laughs> but Back with us today, Pastor Scott's here today. Good yes, to I see am. him. Thank we got, you. Do you have an applause sound over there? <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to play applause sounds for him because it's been three weeks. Yeah, come on, Zach. Give me some applause. Yeah. Yeah. Find some, he'll find some. He'll He's get hurting. some. Right. See, okay. if, if they ever give me my playback unit, Zach, you won't have to worry about this all the time. I just you push know? a button and it'll happen. I'll just have it. 
I have right. it right here in front of me. You, you have you a button that goes, ooh, and then a button that goes, oh. Yeah, I, I did all those. I used to have all those. Up. There, there we, we go. go. All right. Give it to him. There you go. All right. Yeah, we'll get it. Everybody clap for me. There we are. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you back. It's good to be back. Thank you. We are. We're seriously back. All right. So the Bible guys, which for my afternoon show was one of the most uh, favorite hours of the listeners, Mm -hmm. I've decided to keep them on in the morning. And not only that, but put them on at 7 o'clock, which is the number one hour for listenership in morning drive that's great so welcome gentlemen thank you very much and they're all awake <laughs> it's really happy to see them. is this typically a time that you're up billy is this a time you're typically up um not these days but for for the vast majority of my career i was the early guy so i was up at four thirty to 5 so this not a problem so you still like early yeah, stuff yeah all right steve you're you were former air force were yeah. you an early riser? Uh, my schedule was just like it is today. Earlys, lates. I never had a consistent schedule because I flew. Okay, so it's easy. Yeah. We'll All just right. Adjust either way. And Pastor Scott, are you an early riser? Uh, I am these days. I have found, well, <laughs> look, I found most pastors, it's early getting up where they can get time for themselves yep. to do you know, their talk with God and things yep. of that nature. Um, I'm, I mean, I was up this morning at... Uh, four something so i mean i typically am wow up. you were up about the same well, time it's, I it's, got up at three it's not a choice i make it just <laughs> kind of happens that way so um yeah i'm normally up between four and five something like that okay yeah but I, that, you're right i get my <clears throat> that's where i get a lot of uh, reading time and yep. study time prayer time in during the during those morning hours when devotional nothing, yeah when nothing else is going on so um so it's not it's not difficult for me to be here at seven o'clock and yeah. you've not heard anything so it's pretty easy to kind of clear your head yeah yeah, for sure. For that. sure. You don't have days going on. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. We're going to start off with something easy today. Easy. Okay. All right. Uh, all of these questions are from you, the listeners. Just for everybody to know, if this is the first time you've heard the Bible, guys, since this is the first time they've been on on the morning show, which is only the second time that I've been on in the morning in a long <laughs> time, uh, Bible guys will answer any question you have about Scripture or about religion or about theology. You ask, they'll try to answer. And the question today uh, from this listener was, I was hoping to hear what the Bible guys think of the Trump peace plan for Israel and the Palestinians. Are they in favor or not? If so, why? If not, what would their plan be? This is a dangerous part of the question. (laughs) What would their plan be if someone were to ask them to solve the problem? Since you've been gone for three weeks, mm. let's start off with you, Pastor. Okay. Well, I have to admit, I don't know all the details uh, of this, um, but I would just go ahead and say that any, from my perspective, and I think biblically, anything that gives away one scintilla of land that God promised to the Jewish people to anyone else, Palestinian or otherwise, is a bad plan. Right. Uh, anything that would suggest a, quote, two-state solution, end quote, is a bad plan. Uh, plan. And I think any time that we try from the outside to create a peace plan uh, for somebody else, uh, I think we have to be very careful about, um, about well, it's like this. Um, do we as Americans allow the Germans to um, give us uh, plans to sort out our domestic problems? Right. What about, do we allow the British or the Italians? No. So why in the world would we then impose our ideas on the nation of Israel of all places? It 
should be, as far as going to the next, next part of the question, it should be left up to Israel to decide what they're going to do about their own, uh, their own sovereignty their own, in their own territory. I think you have to let them decide what they're going to do and, um, and just keep us out, keep out of it. Except we're there to support them, and that's, uh, that's what I would tell them. Now, we've got Billy Miller here, and we've got Steve Hess here as well. And I'm shaking a little bit in my boots here <laughs> to decide who should I ask. I'll so, be kind. I'll okay, be kind. let's start with Billy. Billy right. says that he'll probably have the most radical answer here. So no, go I'll ahead, be, Billy. I'll be kind this morning. Um, for starters, <laughs> I find, um, and I, I hate to pick on Trump, but I'll, I'll pick on anyone who's dishonest. Um, the plan says there will be no division of Jerusalem, and then turns right around and says the new capital for the Palestinian state will be eastern Jerusalem. And they play some geography games in order to try to make both of these statements true. But if we read this just on its what it says, one of these is a lie. And the one that is a lie is we will not divide Jerusalem. They're giving up part of Jerusalem. Secondarily, Scripture is clear. Uh, the one who attempts to divide the land will be divided. So I think this is a huge no-no. Um, there's obviously division going on here. If we want to create a separate state that was done in 1948, uh, let's go back to some 1948 borders and shove those people right out where they belong, which was in a zone, uh, I think, north of Israel. Um, well, but they created a Palestinian state called they Jordan. They did. That um, is, they're all Palestinians. That's, that's what right. Jordan is. Uh, so they're not really looking for a two-state solution. They're looking for a third or fourth state solution. So um, th- this is never going to work. Biblically, it cannot work. It's, it, I don't care. A, a president is simply wasting his time. What concerns me here um, is that Trump's not an idiot, and this plan is not, rad- other than having a whole bunch more details, this plan is not radically different from any plan that has come before. The problem is, is it comes with some metrics for actions that will be taken on the world stage if they do not comply. So there's a there's an implied threat in the peace plan. It's it's do this my way or else sort of thing, uh, and the or else part concerns me when we start looking at biblical prophecy. You know, um, so you're talking about going over there and stirring even harder in the turbulent Middle East. So that concerns me a little bit. As for what I would do uh, if I were the president and it came time for the peace plan, I would not touch it with a ten foot pole. Yep. That is that is for God to work out when God's ready to work it out, not for man to try to flex on. All right, Steve. Steve. <clears throat> this this is one of those things that you could do two or three shows about because you got to understand the background. And Pastor Scott alluded to it. Um, there's no such thing as a Palestinian people, right? The PLO wasn't created until um, Israel took the um, uh, the capital of Jerusalem after the Six Day War, and then the PLO was created. Uh, prior to that, if you want to know why, in modern terminology, it's used as the West Bank because it's west of Jordan. And it was part of Jordan up until Jordan lost it in the Six-Day War. And then they created the PLO because they needed a victimization of people to be able to use as a pawn. And that's right. all it's ever been. Actually, the West Bank biblically is Judea and Samaria. Correct. The vast okay. majority, Which is where G- the majority of Jesus' ministry was in Judea and Samaria. Not just Jesus's, but the entire Old Testament. The vast majority of it happened in that region. Joseph's tomb is that place. Right, uh, Mc, Mc, right. Macpilah, I think, is on the left side of that as Abraham, well. Abraham, Sarah. Yep. Um, Solomon's, all of that stuff is in what we would call the the West Bank. Um, so it, I would agree. I would basically just step back, and, and I think it was, um, who was the guy that was the um, Secretary of State back in the 70s under Nixon? Uh, anyway. Kissinger. Kissinger. He made the comment that it won't be over until we have a victor. 
So I think you just need to get out of the way and let them fight it. And then yeah. whoever wins, then you can have peace because you can't have peace with both people who want to fight. Right. That's right. from a natural standpoint. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint, um, so, uh, Billy alluded to a couple of the things uh, in in the book of Zechariah. It says that um, in that day that Jerusalem is going to be a cup of trembling and a burdensome stone for all the nations. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, it God says um, um, that he has spoken in his burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all of Edom who give my land to themselves as a possession and who wholeheartedly joy in spitefully, spiteful minds in order to plunder its open borders. Um, this land is part of God's covenant. And I have a concern now uh, because of all the things that the president has done has been very good for Israel up to, up till this point. Mm-hmm. And if there is a principle uh, and our understanding is true, then things are actually going to go south um, because he gave away God's land to a people who doesn't exist who God did not make that covenant with. So well, it remains to see, but we're, you're not going to, this is not going to be resolved in our day or any day for that matter. Messiah is going to have to do this. Yeah. Right. It cannot, you, the, even when you got the West of the, the, the rest of the Arab world saying they're supporting it, they are very patient people and they are waiting for the day. And if there's, if they ever get the upper hand on Israel ever, they, there won't be a support that will push them into the sea. So the only reason that Saudi and Iman, um, Amon and all the other nations to the left, uh, east, uh, are supporting it as they're waiting. Unless yeah. they, I doubt very seriously that they, they've had a repentant wake up moment, but I think they're just waiting for the opportunity and they realize that they can play the long game here. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and cast in there where, where, uh, Pastor Steve was mentioning there about Zechariah, about the Jerusalem becoming a cup of trembling. It goes on to say that whoever messes with it mm-hmm. will be cut to pieces. Yeah. And that the stone will actually fall and crush them. So we're best to let Israel, like, like obviously give it to God, let God handle it, let Israel fight their own battles, and we have nothing to do with it except to support them and to pray for them. All right. That's the first segment of the morning <laughs> show gone. version. Man, wow. That was a good, uh-huh. that was some good stuff there. All right. 718, we got traffic, we got weather, we're going to catch up on all of that when we come back. Does it still exist or doesn't it? Do people still prophesy? We'll talk about it when we come back with the Bible Guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's the morning show. We start at 6. We go to 9 at 8 o'clock. Liz Harrington from the RNC will join us. We'll talk with her about Iowa. Not a whole lot to say except no votes yet. And we'll also talk about the President's State of the Union. All right. Continue with the Bible Guys. If you have a question... Let's say during the week you come up with a question, just send it to BibleGuys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com, and uh, I'll get that, and I'll make sure we ask it uh, in order of all the questions that come in with the Bible Guys. They'll be here every Tuesday at 7. You go, every Tuesday? They've been doing it for two years now. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it in the afternoon, coming in at 5 o'clock at, on Tuesday. Now they're coming in in the morning. And I personally, that's better. You got the whole day in front of you guys. There you no go. problem. All right, here's the question. I was wondering about your view on prophecy. Is it still possible for people to prophesy things uh, to me and it be legitimate? How do I know if a prophecy is real and if I can put my hope in it? If they say something is going to happen in 10 years from now, I obviously have to wait to see if it's true or not. But how do I know if I can trust it today 
And for the next nine years, while I wait to see if it comes to pass or not. Thank you. <clears throat> well, the, the prophecy is the gift of prophecy is one of the gifts that's mentioned. Um, gifts of, of the spirit. Uh, the gifts of the spirit. Uh, but it's a little bit different um, than how we would look as the Old Testament prophets that are really predicting events to happen. Now, there is some aspect of that, but it's not on a what, what they refer to as nation's prophets or a national level. There are some men that claim that, but I also am very cautious with prophets because there are so many people nowadays that are prophesying, especially where we're at and, and with the things that are going on in the world. <clears throat> you can't, um, um, you know, throw a stick without somebody prophesying about something in the Middle right. East going right. on. And and those who walk in that gift, I would also, also caution very much to look at the consequences in the Old Testament of those who prophesied. Yeah, they stoned right. people they, if they, they were wrong. They killed them. So when people walk in that gift and they try to predict events, um, they, they better be absolutely certain because yep. um, they're, they're bearing false witness to God's name if they say the Lord said and the Lord said. Now, I've been in, in meetings where um, I, we had total um, strangers who didn't know people in the congregation who, as we would say, would read their mail and would call out the things that were going on in their lives or um, encourage them about things that they were already praying about. And it was more of a confirmation, but I, I wouldn't put much stock in somebody who says 10 years from now you're going to win the lottery and inherit a billion dollars yeah. or, you know what I mean, that kind of stuff. It's just not what the gift of prophecy is about. It's usually exhortation and edification of something that's already going on. Or in some cases, um, if there's sin in your life, uh, that they'll, they'll, they'll tell you what that is. And so it's a real gift. It really happens but um, not, I just don't see much evidence in the New Testament for it in, on a national level, meaning they're going to prophesy events. Because I can promise you, as much as that stuff I watch and listen to, not prophecies, but in time stuff, there there are so many people out there. I mean, back in 2015 when we were having the blood moons and all those things, you oh, yeah. you couldn't sling a Throw dead a cat without, somebody, yeah. without um, somebody prophesying that a tidal wave's coming. And now, if if you know somebody like that, and you've ever had anybody prophesy things like that, and they have not come to pass or what they said was false, you need to confront them and call them out. Yep. Because that is it is too flippantly thrown around today when people claim that they got a word and they're prophesying something, and if it doesn't come to pass, they go, oh, well, I guess I miss God. No, sir, you use God's name. This is a serious matter. Yep. And so it, it is a gift that flow, that people flow today, but I think they should be more cautious than, than they are. All right. Yep. The Old Testament includes um, two tests for prophets. Um the first uh, is that if they prophesy and what they prophesy does not come to pass, then they are false prophets and you drag them out and stone them. The second one is that if they prophesy and even if what they have prophesied has come to pass, if they attempt to lead you away from God and his right. word, they are also false prophets, drag them out and, and stone them. Um, so now I'm not advocating before anybody calls right. and says, I stoned this guy and, and I did it because Billy said so. No, wait a second. Uh, I not, still have bruises from yeah, the last uh, time. I'm just not advocating stoning in this day. <laughs> I am advocating a um, dissolution of association. If you are associated with someone who's running around all the time saying, God said, God said, God said, and it's not coming to pass, uh, confront them and then break fellowship. Um, that is the closest you can get to stoning them in this day and age. So. And typically, uh, prophets of the Old Testament, they had to make not only long-term prophecies in many cases, but they had to make prophecies that would come soon to pass in order to validate the fact that they were a prophet. Uh, we wouldn't know if they were a prophet if uh, all of their prophecies were end-time prophecies. Uh, they had to do things within their lifetime. Um, and generally, there's actually a time frame on that somewhere, um, yeah, I don't know. Tal Talmudic, I believe. But um, 
that they have to make a prophecy that comes to pass within a certain period to ever receive the official stamp of being a prophet. So, um, you know, prophecies that are general, um, well, there are people in Hot Springs that will do that for about 20 bucks and lay your palm in front of them and they'll read your future. Um, I, I don't buy things like that either. Um, that is a gimmick by and large. Um, and it is one of the things that I find most offensive because I think it is offensive to the name of God. When you take a sham and stick the name of God on top of it, you offend everything there is about me. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the question that the person asked was, when someone gives it a prophecy, how do you, and it's, if it's... How do you know it's true? How do you know if it's 10 years out? You know, how do yeah. you know if you can put hope in it? And I would just add um, to that, you know, if someone... Uh, first of all, and I think we may have already touched on it. I was out. I was outside in the in the booth. But um, you know, if someone gives you a word and you can find that word substantiated in Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, if you can see, okay, that word it is within bounds of the Scripture, then you know, you know, you can trust the Scripture. Uh, but then beyond that, maybe this word comes and it actually confirms something that's already in your heart. You know, you've been praying about something or you've been you've had something on your heart. You've had something on your mind. You felt God has been leading you in a way. And then somebody comes up and basically kind of reads your mail and says, listen, you've been have you've been praying about X, Y and Z and it's right. And then they give a prophetic word that's really based in Scripture. Things like that. You know, you can say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stand on that word and I'm going to believe God for that. As a matter of fact, Paul actually tells Timothy, he says, do a good warfare with the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Right. So there's there's a way to stand and to hold on to prophetic words that have been given to you. But the way you're going to test them in our day is you test them against the Word of God. Yes, that is biblical. Yes, it, it is grounded in the Word. And yes, it confirms something God's already spoken to my heart. So I will use these two parameters to say, okay, I can actually stand and, and believe for this or stand in faith on that. And I believe that's a good place to be. But obviously, these other things, the guys have already touched on it. We got, right. we got more questions coming up, but we got to get a break in. We got Russia's update coming up. We want to give that to you. And when we come back, we're going to talk about can you truly pray in faith for an end time revival? We'll talk about that next with the Bible guys right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm Dave Ellswick. Stay tuned. Now I know what Moses felt like. <laughs> I, hold, I hold up my hands. Quiet, guys. That's right. All right. And the Bye. voices parted. <laughs> but the sun did not stop. All right, just letting you know. All right. Uh, are you guys political? Well, I'm, that's the second question. Let me give you the first one. Can I truly pray in faith for an end-time revival, or are we to just prepare ourselves for apostasy and sin abounding like the days of Noah? Do they believe we will go out in a blaze of glory? And I guess they being you, that we will go out in a blaze of glory or not. The will of God is this, that none should be lost. Don't be praying for an end time revival. Be praying for a revival, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't don't wait until you think it's about over before you start trying to see a revival. Um, As far as the apostasy, yeah, there's apostasy coming, but... Uh, as it's already the, happening. Yeah. yeah. As, as the times the of Noah, we should also be seeing yeah. the best. Yeah. Now, I, w- I would say that um, you should never stop p- praying for a move of God. Um, and that's exactly what um, you know, the word does say that uh, at the end of time, it says, you know, that when sin, aground, sin abounds, it says, then grace much more abounds. So the more the darker it gets, the more we should be believing God for a revival. Amen. And just, you know, um, just, just throwing this out here, um, I have really felt that this year, 
uh, is, and I've declared it in my church, is a year of the um, of the Spirit. And for the past two weeks, I haven't even uh, preached a sermon because the Holy Ghost has uh, has moved so incredibly in our in our services. Um, the week before last, we had probably were you in that service? Yeah, was. We probably had um, what it was it maybe twenty yeah twenty or thirty instant manifestations of healing. We had this wow. one this one lady. She she was weeping so much. She had glaucoma so bad she couldn't read her Bible without these uh, these big glasses. And she gets healed in the service. She doesn't even wear glasses anymore, and she's being able to read her Bible. I mean, people all, people who've suffered for from sciatica for years uh, were instantly healed. People who had back problems. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even I didn't even minister the word. It was just the Spirit of God speaking, giving um, prophetic words, utterances. People being instantly healed. It was beautiful. And then this last week. The same type of thing happened um, again. It was a little bit different, not as many healings, but it was definitely people getting words of encouragement and things. So, hey, listen, if you don't notice it, the world is pretty dark right now. Never Amen. stop pressing in from a move of God. When it's bad in your family, when your kids are having issues, when your when your relatives are having issues, that's the time you really press in for a move of God on them. So, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad the apostasy is or the sin abounding, you still believe God for a revival. And let me just clarify: the word revival means to revive something that was vibed at one point. In other right, words, right. a revival is an awakening of those who were already vibed at one point. It's right. not so much a revival is not so much a mass salvation of souls, but it right. is a waking up of people who were once alive, Amen. fallen asleep or died and now are coming back to life. So it really applies to the life of the church. The only thing I would add to that was specifically to the end time stuff is the Bible says both will happen. Yeah. There will be a great revival and a and, great falling away. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen simultaneously. All right. So there you go. That's pretty good. And then they came through question two. Are you guys politically engaged like Mr. Ellswick? And do you see any value investing time and effort into something that seems so, and I'm in air quotes here, natural? I think you should be involved yeah. and engaged in what's going on politically. Whether or not you choose to be involved more in, in getting campaigns and stuff, that's up to you. Um I personally think that what will change the country is a revival. Um, the, those we There's a lot of criticism that's being thrown at the evangelicals who are supporting the president, and I would throw some of that as well, simply because um, they're putting trust solely in the political process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing that's going to change hearts and minds is the gospel. That's it. And no political party is going to do it. I don't care if you're leftist or you're rightist. The only thing that's going to change the nation is when people change. Right. And um, And I would add that every— Almost every um, prophet that you look at um, dealt with politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, every prophet was in the face of a king. Every prophet was counseling a king or speaking to the governors or dealing with uh, things in the political realm. So God would send his prophets. He would send them to deal with things. John the Baptist was rebuking uh, the king for having his, his, <clears throat> his brother's wife. I mean, there was, there was always, God was always sending prophets into the palaces, prophets into uh, the face of leaders. So uh, God intended for us to be involved and engaged, but there is a danger that you become, you lean so much to the natural that you forget, like Pastor Steve said, it's only the gospel that's going to change this nation. It was the gospel. What was it that, um, who was the French guy who came over? Um, the Tocqueville. Yeah. He said, the reason why America is great is because America is good. And yep. the reason why yep. America is good is because the gospel is preached on every corner of every village, of every hamlet, and of every city. 
And if we forget that, then um, no matter no amount of politics, good, bad, or indifferent, is going to fix things. It all is a matter of changing the heart of people. Well, since people are people, just know that they're going to they're going to fail. Yeah, they're going you to know, fail. Don't put your hope in feet of clay. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to work with people feet of clay. Yeah, but it's God who brings the change. Amen. I even told my people this past uh, this past week. The scripture says it says to pray for all of those that are in authority. Right. Mm-hmm. For kings and leaders and so forth, and it, the, the Bible says that we might li- so that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. Right. The goal of our praying for our government and for our officials is to benefit the people themselves. So uh, we definitely should be engaged, but our engagement should be um, by the Spirit and let the Spirit lead us to whatever natural action we're supposed to take, one way or the other. Yeah. There Billy? was a um, there was a radio show on years and years and years ago. Um, and their tagline was politics determines how we'll live today and religion determines how we'll live forever. Um, so to me, these two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, a, a lot of times, well, my religious position uh, uh, determines and affects my political position. It's the reason I support the people I do and the, the movements that I do and oppose those things that I do. So <clears throat> to me, uh, both of these are radically important. Obviously, one forever is much longer than my natural lifespan. So one of these is, is much, much more valuable to me. But yes, I, I, I tend to be highly involved in politics as well. Uh, the question was as involved as you are. Uh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a nice full life, but, and I don't have nearly the time that Dave has for that sort of thing. But uh, yes, I, I'm absolutely involved in politics. Right. I would encourage people to to pray for Dave, though, because we need people yeah. like him that are as engaged. Watchers on the wall. I mean, Dave, when you came to Arkansas, what was the <laughs> demographics like as far as the political parties? It was heavily a dem- at the House and at the Senate, state Senate. We had four state representatives and one state senator. There were Republicans. Yes. And you have you have been here and seen this. I've this, seen it completely flip. Was it a gradual shift or was it more like? An instant. Some of it was, it, it, it gradually started. It started around 2010 mm-hmm. when it started. After about a decade, I'd have been here a decade, yeah. and then it started. And then uh, it, about 26, uh, not 16, 2012, it was like somebody snapped a yeah. light on. The really? switch, yep. Yep. Wow. It changed. Don't you think that coincided, you know, those Democrats back in the day were what they were called, what, the Blue Dogs? Yeah, they, Blue Dogs. They were yeah. conservative-minded people. They did believe in, you know, social benefits and that kind of stuff, but they were still more ethical than what we would yeah. see on the yeah. people on the left today. So maybe that coincides a little bit with how far the left went to the well, left. Well, it was when Obama <clears throat> came into office, and when De- Obama came into office and people started, when he said he had come to fundamentally change America, mm. and when those fundamental changes started and it wasn't what conservatives would ever want to see yeah it woke a lot of people yeah. up yeah. i mean a lot of people up i mean the the, the whole tea party movement and all, all of right. that that, that, that made a huge difference yeah but you, you've had a great voice in, in in helping move and shape that change dave so i would encourage all the listeners be, be praying for for dave that he can that the god to continue to increase the the volume of his uh, voice, because we need people that are, in, are engaged yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, well, here's here's the key: be vote, be, be, be praying for Republicans, the mm-hmm. people that are in control now, that you put into control, that they will honestly continue to govern mm-hmm. the way they're supposed to govern. Yeah, 
yeah. and not take on just being a politician. Speaking of, uh, we've been talking about revival. You know, you mentioned that like a switch went on in whatever mm-hmm. year that was. It's almost like um, it's almost like that was almost like a secular revival. That's the type of change that can happen when people all of a sudden just it's wake up. At your church and agape. Yeah. Yes, it has. So when so if you look up in the spirit, when the when the switch goes on and people get vibed or revived, um, it changes it changes the nation. The great Welsh revival. I don't know if you guys remember that, but. The, it was so incredible in Wales that 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 the uh, that the pubs just shut down. It, it just it just began to transform the the way that the society worked. The miners were saved in droves to the point that when they went back down in the mines, the donkeys that would carry the coal out would no longer obey their uh, their masters because the donkeys were used to being sworn at and beat to carry it out and they got born again and went back down there and they were being gentle and kind to the donkeys. The donkeys didn't know how to respond as they wouldn't they wouldn't transport the coal. <laughs> right. That's so the, funny. So the point is it changes society when people actually get um, switched on to God. All right. For you who've just joined us, this is the Bible guys. There are three of them here. You got Scott, he is the pastor of Agape Church right here in Little Rock. You got Steve who uh, works with Scott uh, with their school that you can get involved in, and I'll tell you about that in just a few moments. And then Billy Miller is here, who works out at Tucker? Tucker Maximum Security Unit. Okay, and works with the prisoners yep. there at Tucker. Yep, yep, yep. That's what he does. We're going to take a break because it's a quarter till eight, believe it or not. It's 61 degrees. It has been raining today. The rain is going to go on until Thursday. And so it's going to be some rain. Uh, I checked yesterday, and no, Home Depot is out of gopher wood. We got more coming your way in a moment on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. I was telling you that uh, Steve works with Scott at Agape Church here in uh, Little Rock. And uh, Steve, tell people about the this, this school. Okay, this school is uh, what actually led me out um, to Agape uh, it's the school where uh, uh, Pastor Scott and I both graduated. Um, he got his uh, master's through there, got his doctorate through another one. But um, our mentor, Dr. Mosley, had started the school back in the early 90s, and it was a Hebraic root school. Uh, and it's different than most um, theological schools. Most of the times you're going to get taught um, the theology of a particular denomination, where this school was primarily focused on just the first century, partly into the second century, and then obviously everything prior to that if we want to say, quote-unquote, Old Testament. But it's a Hebraic root school. We put things in the context of the Jewish roots, the, the historical context, the linguistical context, the geographical context, the political context, the, all those other idiomatic things, and anything else that's centered around how to understand the Scriptures and what it meant to those who were writing it uh, and to those who lived in that day. And we don't really focus a lot on theology uh, as much as um um, proper interpretation and in, in that contextual setting. So uh, the best way to say it is it's a Hebraic root school and you will get a basic foundation on, on how to interpret and understand the Bible in its original setting because the Bible was written by Hebrews initially and primarily to Hebrews. But even then when we get into the New Testament, we're dealing with Hebraic concepts that though they were going through into the Greek language, they were still having to go, they were they were um, taking Hebraic things and then putting it into the Greek language. 
And so we, we focus on that, and that's what the school is about. You can get a bachelor's degree. You can get an associate's degree. Uh, if you're not interested in a degree, you can audit classes. Um, each class, if you want to get a degree, is, is $200 a class. Uh, or if you just wanted to audit the classes, you can pay $50. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to write a paper. You can just listen to the information. And you can find all that at AmericanInstitute.org. There you go. AmericanInstitute.org. Org. That's yeah. where you go. Can, I, right, say, can I say one thing really quick before we get sure, that? Sure, go. Just going back to that last uh, question about uh, the whole political thing and, and uh, defaulting into the spirit. Um, when we do that, we, we still... God will lead us to be engaged. I just think of one thing like uh, the March for Life, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Things like that that are are, are are the backbone of what things makes things happen in in uh, in the political world. But those are by people who are who love God, are motivated by the Spirit to be out there and to support the causes that we have scriptural basis uh, for. So uh, a big shout out to everyone who was uh, attending the March for Life uh, this year. But things like that definitely need um, believers' uh, support and. Um, and help in any way they can give it. Amen. All right. Can you please help me to understand the love of God? I know it's not a type of human love, so does it have emotion, affection, conditions? How should I show the love of God to others if it's not a human emotion? I'm going to give you four minutes on this, (laughs) okay? And then I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about UFOs. Oh, oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. Um, right. Uh, the love of God, how you can't really four minutes. Um, okay. Um, does the love, it has all those things, uh, to yeah. it. it. It does have, uh, emotion. God, uh, is, um, jealous for his people. Um, for oh, God, how I longed. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave, he, he, he sacrificed himself because of his love. So yeah, yes, the love of God does have, um, emotion to it. Uh, the Bible says, you know, that we can, uh, that we're able to um, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. So there's very much a overall giving to that. Yes, it has. Uh, it, God's love for us is not conditional. He loves us regardless. He doesn't love necessarily what we do, but it's like a parent a parent love. It's an agape, agape type love. It's an unconditional type of um, love that goes on. As far as how we communicate that to other people, it filters through. Uh, it filters through us. I can't do this in four minutes. Yeah, it's impossible. The the short answer, I'll give you the Hebrew thing, which is it's the idea of breathing in a very passionate. This is the descriptive definition in Hebrew of ahava. Um, Ahava. Ahava. Okay. Ahav is the masculine. Ahava is the feminine form of the same word. Okay. And it is with everything within your being, your breath. It's what drives you. And the only thing that is different is how you manifest it. When it says love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself, you love each with the same intensity, right. but how it manifests is different. And primarily, it comes down to doing. Right. So you right. can say, I love you, but if you do not show mercy and compassion and givingness, then you really don't love. It really comes down to the doing, but there is this uh, evidence of the things that you do but there is a passion associated with trying to describe the right. love of God. And it is impossible. It's not possible to describe. That's it. Yeah. We could spend an hour and going through what it really means to try and love. In that in that doing vein, even Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You there will was, do. There was, a, there was yeah. a do associated with that love. Yeah. It was it was not a, um, in our Greek mindset, it was not a mental thing. It, it was an action said, thing. You know, you're going to know these people. Yep. By their actions. That's right. That's right. God is love, and you just can't explain God in four minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. You guys did a pretty good job, come back to it oh, well. next week. Yeah. Steve, you did really good. He did. 
That's surprising, but yeah, we're, it is. Proud, we're, proud, we're proud of Steve today. He's really good. He normally rambles. Every once in a while, he hits one. Yeah. So. If I had feelings, they would hurt. That's <laughs> <laughs> a big if. That's what people say about me, too. So if you had a heart, you could love people. No. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well, says our, our last uh, questioner. And that 2020 is looking like a great year for you. I'm having hearing Christian people on YouTube talking about believing in UFOs. They're saying that it, it is possible that they are demonic beings from another dimension. Have you heard about this? It's kind of freaking me out. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Is there anything to all of these sightings? Okay, we've got uh, three minutes. Well, there's, there's 512 of them in Washington right now. <laughs> now we we talked about this one of the shows a few weeks ago um and it there again this is one of those things that you could talk a lot about uh, i personally believe that what we are seeing in, in the increase in manifestation is the spirit realm that, that that's what's manifesting yeah. into the world when people are beginning to see those things and that's what's breaking through and that's what's manifesting it is yeah. if you look at um when people have visitations so to speak um that how much that kind of stuff we're so used to accepting that little green men mentality, but also how much that resembles some of the demonic world. And that's, yeah. that's what I think the vast majority of it is. And because of the things that are going on in the world today, to me, it only makes sense that it manifests more. Yeah. Okay. And it has long been one of my um, personal opinions um, about the, I was actually looking through some old notes uh, a couple of weeks ago. And as a teenager, I wrote about the fact that I believed that the sightings of us UFOs and potentially even a future revelation of little green men would be part of the end time deception. Um, Satan is all about deceiving us and convincing us there is no God. Um, and if he lands little green men on the White House front lawn, and by the way, when they step off, they have the cure for cancer and the cure for AIDS and the cure for everything else. And oh, by the way, we seated life here. There is no God. Uh, millions of Christians would lose their faith overnight. Uh, I think it would be the capstone uh, on the deceptive program that, that Satan's been running. And we see more and more of this being fed to us. We see this idea being fed to us constantly. And we, we tend to become blunted. Um, to the, if you backed up 100 years and told our great-grandparents that um, there were little green men and they didn't want you to believe in God, they would reject that immediately. But our generation has been fed little green men and been fed science that says, well, maybe life was seeded from somewhere else. So much so... Uh, that it kind of sits in the back of your mind, whether you believe that or not, the the theory is sitting back there. So when something confirms that for you, it creates doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all part of the end time deception. I think Twilight Zone had a great <coughs> segment about uh, aliens coming to Earth and, and saying that they had all these great things that they wanted to do for us. And right. they had a book and it said how to serve how to serve man and it was a cookbook yeah <laughs> you remember that one no yeah no. that's a that's a really good moral yeah. story to oh, pay a little bit of attention to it all the people that were getting on the spacecraft to go to the other planet yeah mm. they how were going man, as preferably as feed. And with an apple yeah <laughs> so. that's exactly right all right so billy thanks for coming yes, and scott thank you thank tell you, everybody what time uh you know services are on Sunday on, at Agape, on, where you're at? On Sunday at 10 o'clock, we are at 701 Napa Valley Drive in West Little Rock. Okay. And Steve, thank you for coming in. Yes, sir. Is this a little easier for you to make? It depends. It my, depends my on what, you're, what every, you're teaching, huh? Yeah, every other month it you're changes. Not, you're not flying right now? No. Okay, well, that's good. I appreciate you guys coming in. Bible Guys, every Tuesday like today at 7 a.m. right here 
on the Dave Ellswick Show. You got a question for them, Bible Guys at Salem, S A L E M L R dot com. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll take a break. Come back. Liz Harrington from the RNC to join us. We'll talk about the president's State of the Union speech coming up. Liz Harrington joins us from the RNC. Hey, Liz, how you doing? Hey, Dave, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm waiting for that cakewalk in Iowa to get over so that we can find <laughs> out what's going on. Uh, isn't it incredible? The party that has been trying to sow doubt in our elections, been trying to denigrate the 63 million Americans who voted to make President Trump our president, who've been trying to sow doubt in the next election to say he's going to cheat totally falsely, totally smearing him. And yet you reap what you sow. Look at what they have on their hands, a complete unmitigated disaster, as the president said, by their own sheer incompetence. Mm -hmm. It's truly incredible. Did you hear who were the people who developed this app? I I haven't seen anything confirmed. Uh, I've just seen some shadow company, uh, some company called Shadow something. I don't, it it is a complete disaster. But it really shows you, too, the DNC is bankrupt. I mean, they have million dollars in debt. The RNC, we have never had so much grassroots fundraising. We've broken all records. And it really shows because it goes down... From the top to the bottom of the ticket, the entire infrastructure, our state parties, our county parties, everything works together. And you see a well-oiled machine. Yesterday, we broke records, had the biggest uh, turnout for an incumbent president. I never knew President Trump was going to be victorious, but he broke Barack Obama's record from 2012. And yet we didn't have a hitch. Everything was fine. We had the results in really fast. And we're still waiting for the Democrats. It's incredible. Now, i got to read this to you. This is from the Daily Caller. The firm behind the phone app that caused delays in reporting the results of the Iowa Democratic Caucus, and by the way, the delays are still ongoing, nothing yet, is, <laughs> right. is operated by three Hillary Clinton campaign veterans. Surprise. The firm. Surprise. It, 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 you couldn't make this up any better. <laughs> I'm telling you, Liz, unbelievable. <laughs> 
you absolutely couldn't make it up. It's it's the same people. You know, they've had disaster after disaster. And, you know, this is what people hate about politics. You get rewarded for running terrible campaigns, for losing campaigns, and then you cash out uh, and you go into consultancy. You know what? Those days are over. and We've seen it. We're draining the swamp. We're getting Washington to work. Uh, for all Americans. And that's why I'm so excited to see the president speak tonight. I mean, the contrast is going to be so amazing to see all the accomplishments, just uh, optimistic vision for the country, a can-do atmosphere. And the Democrats, they're in disarray. They they have absolutely nothing. All they can do is complain. They've got a mess in Iowa. They've accomplished nothing in Congress. And the contrast is just so crystal clear. Yeah, it's 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 beyond belief, to be honest. I mean, you you couldn't run you couldn't write a better comedy if you wanted it. But it's really not all that funny when you really think about it. Well, the best comparison that we were seeing online last night was these are the people, mm-hmm. this is the same party that wants to run 300 million Americans' health care. Yep. And these are the people that can't even develop an app. They couldn't build an Obamacare website. They cannot manage the simple thing of tabulating votes. And yet, yeah, no, we got this. We'll kick 217 million Americans off their private insurance and the government will run it. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. One one last question about Iowa. Then I want to talk about the president and the State of the Union. And that is this. Do you know which Democratic candidate this firm has worked the closest with? Uh, no, I don't. I feel like I did see something, but, uh, yeah, Buttigieg. Uh, who was it? Buttigieg, who, who probably, who, who shook the I mean, world. Again, again, the same people who've been trying to sow doubt. I mean, they're going to have so many conspiracies. You have a party. You already have a problem with so much division. The Bernie Sanders Supporters have no trust, absolutely no faith. Obviously, they shouldn't in the DNC. But how is this party going to come together? And you see Republicans, we've never been more united. A 97% voted uh, for President Trump last night. It's unheard of. Uh, And look at the Democrats. I mean, they are going to be pitting themselves against each other. Nobody trusts the other. But again, you reap what you sow. They've been encouraging this. They've been pitting Americans against each other. They've been calling people Russian stooges for over three years just because they lost an election, fair and square, by the way. And so this is what you end up with. You have absolute disarray, a disaster in their own caucus, and I don't see how they come together by November. Yeah, well, here's the scary part of it uh, for people who know their history. Let me take you back to Chicago in 1968. First time that I got a job uh, from the Chicago Sun to go out and take pictures because I was a high school student at the time in Lincoln Park of uh, the convention going on in Chicago because they thought I'd get better pictures because I was uh, I was the same age as a lot of the demonstrators. Now, we you who know history know what 68 Chicago was all about and how terrible it was. Let me just warn you that if the Sanders people think they got screwed again, the 2020 
Democratic convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, may be a mirror image of 68 in Chicago. Boy, I mean, history repeats itself, and it it is scary, especially, I mean, uh, if you look at some of the statements coming out from Bernie Sanders volunteers, we've seen some of those video recordings, and these people believe in violent revolution. It's absolutely scary uh, because Democrats have taken in this wing of the party. They've normalized it, and it's now the driving force, hard left, radical socialists. Uh, that is the one thing that Democrats can agree on, two things. They're totally nervous about 2020. I mean, all the headlines going into yesterday, there's a sense of fear in the air. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just so much anxiety uh, because they know they don't have the candidate to beat President Trump. But number two, the only candidate that has any sort of grassroots energy behind him is a self-avowed socialist who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. And so that's what they all have in common. They've adopted these hardcore policies. There's no real difference in what Mayor Pete is saying and what Joe Biden is even saying. Uh, Speaking of disaster, uh, he probably got out lucky because of this disastrous no results because people were saying he was really slipping. But Mm -hmm. they're all adopting government takeover of healthcare. They're all adopting banning fossil fuels hiking our taxes, destroying our economy. And that's what they're mainstreaming in their party. And it's absolutely dangerous. We do not want socialism to be normalized. It's going to be crazy tonight uh, for the State of the Union. Let me remind my listeners, we'll have coverage starting at 8 o'clock. We'll carry the president's speech and the uh, Democratic response. And, you know, I'm stunned by the Democratic response. They're going to have two people. They're having one to give it in English, and then the next one's going to give it in Spanish. Personally, I think we should just do the English one and forget about the Spanish one. But with that, with that said, uh, when he gives his speech tonight, the president, he's got a litany of things that he can talk about that he has succeeded on, not just the economy, but a whole lot of things. It, exactly right. I mean, he can just go through a list of not just things uh, that he promised, but that he delivered on. I mean, it's truly incredible. Three short years, and we're just getting started. Of course, the economy, but we just passed the 100th mile for the border wall. Mm -hmm. We've got Space Force. We've got new trade deal with China, USMCA. They all said this couldn't be done. I mean, the naysayers, the pessimists, starting with the fact that they all – Uh, just tried to say this guy has no shot at being president. And now look in just three short years, it is so amazing. And it's going to be the perfect contrast. You see a president up there talking about optimism and a comeback of the American dream. 74% of the new jobs created in the final quarter of 2019 went to people who were outside of the labor force, who had left. You were so despondent during the Obama-Biden years that just given up. They weren't even counted anymore. Now they're back in, and that's emblematic of what's happening across this country. There's so many great things to be talking about, and then to see Nancy Pelosi having to sit there behind him and the Democrats in the Senate, are they going to applaud when he goes through 
all of these amazing things, this revival going on in our country? And are they going to try to vote to remove him from office the next day? It's absolutely ridiculous. And they deserve to look ridiculous. And they're going to look so small. And President Trump is going to show just how amazing it is when you believe that you can do it. You come in from the outside. You bring some common sense back to Washington. And look what we can do. So what do you think? Pelosi looks like she swallowed a lemon behind him, or will she have that that uh, smile that she has the permanent tattoo on her face with? I mean, I just don't – I just feel like she's gotten such a – she's backed her corner into – her caucus into such a far-left corner. It's such a disaster. I, I mean, what, she's going to be acquitted tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Hey, what what are, what did you accomplish? Is she going to have her pen there? Is that what she's going to hold? I mean, it's absolutely pathetic. Yeah. Um, and she's going to look so petty, which is the, the, the most amazing thing about this whole process. They think we're so stupid. They think we're suckers. Oh, we think, oh, we'll believe them when they say this is so solemn and somber. And they really didn't want to do this. No, she's going to, we see through them. And this was only a petty political gambit. That's all it was. And they look so small. They've defined impeachment down to a meaningless uh, political weapon. And people see through it. And I think uh, she just can't win here. How, how does she come across looking uh, like anything magnanimous? I mean, all she's done is partisan petty politics and president trump has risen so much above all of that in the in pursuit of the best interests of the country and it's working all right liz it's always a pleasure to talk to you it's it's great to talk to people of like-mindedness are you going to be at cpac yes i think i will be we're doing radio row and should be should be a good time all right i'll be there we'll look for all you all right you have a great All one. Right. We'll talk to you, you later. Too. Bye-bye. All right. Liz Harrington from the RNC. Always good to talk to her. Um, she's so good at just clearly uh, delineating. Is that the right way? Saying That's that? a 50-cent one. Too. Yeah, that is a 50-cent word. My tongue got wrapped around <laughs> my dentures on that one. But the bottom line is uh, she's just really good at, of communicating. Yeah, she That's is. why she is RNC communications director. The national spokesman for <laughs> yeah. the Republican yeah. National. Yeah. How is good. it that you just have all these Republican spokespeople on here, Mr. Railswick? She's a good person. I know Liz. I've known Liz for years. <laughs> all right. It's 20 minutes after 8. we got to get a break in when we come back. You got an Apple phone? You got an Apple oh, phone? Oh, we got uh, a surprise for uh, you. you know, well, wait till I tell you. You can't about, wait. about the new emojis you that you're going to get on your phone. Yeah, you're going to be all <laughs> excited because Apple thinks that you're a liberal. So I'll tell you all about that when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show morning show. By the way, I hope you enjoyed the Bible, guys. They they were really good today. That that hour went fast. It went fast. And uh, Zach just told me the podcast is up. If you missed it, you can you can go take a look at it right now. All right. One oh one point one FM. The answer uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, Sean Hannity coming up at the bottom of the hour. He'll have his uh, his update. What does he call his, Zach? Does he have a name for his? I mean, it's got the morning update for Rush. What does What's Sean calling his? Or he's not? I'm not sure what he calls it. Okay, anyway, we're going to have it for you. 
It'd be about, well, it's a minute and a half, right? Two minutes. Oh, he, he takes a full, t- I'm going to charge you more for being on my show if he's taking two minutes. But no, we'll have, we'll have Sean uh, at the bottom of the, uh, Sean Hannity. I came across this story today from New York Post. If you have an Apple telephone, get ready on, you know, because they, they add, and they do this on over on the Samsung phones as well. They'll add emojis in uh, for you. Well, Apple is going to plant more LGBTQ emojis on your phones. Here's what, according to the story, in the next update, you're going to be forced. It's not, you don't get to say, yeah, I'll take them or no, I don't want them. You're going to be forced to get a trans flag, a trans symbol. What's the symbol for trans? It's a trans symbol for the generic bathrooms. Well, they got that too. They got a regular trans symbol. And I right. have no, I, I'm, I I'm out, of the, out, of, out of the loop on that one. A gender neutral bathroom sign. Uh, I always thought we had that where it's got a man and a woman and a, and a line through it. No men or women allowed. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think. Okay. A gender. Now this is bizarre. A gender neutral Santa. I didn't make that up. That's this is what they're saying. And a rainbow cat pinata <laughs> i'm not making that up i'm man. ready to tear my hair out now <laughs> a cat pinata paint it in rainbow colors okay so let me run through these again this is going to be for your apple phone they're going to show up they haven't yet they're coming a trans flag a trans symbol a gender neutral bathroom sign a gender neutral Santa. what are you going to use that during christmas oh ho ho gender neutral santa and a rainbow cat pinata yeah i might be wanting to beat the living crap out of it elizabeth warren's gonna get a lot of mileage out she'll of like, oh yeah she'll like it she'll like it because what does she think for instance about president trump's uh judges huh what, what does she think about that play cut number four for me there The Trump administration is putting up judges that are unqualified. Listen to this. That are racist, that are homophobic, that are anti-women, that are anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans, and anti-voting. That's who they're putting up. And I don't say this because I'm some kind of a mind reader and I know who these people are. I'm saying it based on their written records, things they have already made clear. And when I say that's who these people are, these are people that in the George W. Bush administration would never even been thinkable as appointee. Wow. Wow. Let me give you that list again. She checked all the boxes, I think, uh, for the libs unqualified, racist, homophobic, anti-women, anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans. Doesn't trans go into the LGBTQ? I I thought it did. And anti-voting. All right. Every one of them. That's the way they are. Unbelievable. And that's why uh, Chris Matthews said the following last night. On MSNBC, cut number three. 
We don't have enough time. I'll play it when we get back. We got to we got to get a hold of uh, Mr. Uh, Hannity here first. But I'll play I'll play by Matthews. When you hear what he has to say, it's because of people like this, like Warren and what she says here. I'll replay this, and then we'll play Matthews after it uh, when we come back here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. But keep in mind now, if you got an Apple phone, here's what's coming: a trans your emojis, a trans flag, a trans symbol, a gender neutral bathroom sign, a gender neutral Santa Claus. And a rainbow cat pinata. That that's what's coming your way. Right now, though, we got to get to uh, the bottom of the hour. It's time for Sean Hannity. He's got his update. Going to give you give him a couple of minutes to talk about that, and then I will be back. One hundred one one FM. The answer. It's the Dave Ellswick show. We're on in the mornings now. We start at six a.m. We go until nine a.m. and uh, try to keep you up on what's going on in the mornings. All right, back with you. Here, let me play this for you again. Here is what Elizabeth Warren thinks about all the judges that President Trump has uh, put on the bench. The Trump administration is putting up judges that are unqualified, that are racist, that are homophobic, that are anti-women, that are anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans, and anti-voting. That's who they're putting up. And I don't say this because I'm some kind of a mind reader and I know who these people are. I'm saying it based on their written records, things they have already made clear. And when I say that's who these people are, these are people that in the George W. Bush administration would never even been thinkable as appointees. It's going into tonight. Well, that's a great point. And I've been to Democratic events in the middle of the first Iraq war, but they never mentioned it. The whole party was there. And um, what are my thoughts? I'm not happy. I'm not happy with this field. I think they got to find a candidate for president that could be Trump. And you don't think anybody in this field I'm looking. Trump? I'm still looking. Still looking. What's the problem? Obvious problems. They're all problems. Bernie Sanders is not going to be president of the United States. Okay. okay. I went back to the 72 race. I was a young volunteer for the DNC. I was working for a senator from Utah at the time. I've got to tell you, it feels a lot like it. A lot of giddiness, a lot of excitement, a thrill about this guy. You're saying a lot like McGovern? Well, exactly, because he was very excited. He excited the party completely, blew away a really good candidate like Muskie, a really good guy. He blew him right out of the water because he had some issues. Now, analytically, I think a couple things have happened. One is Warren was riding high. I thought she was going to sweep through everything. I should first too easily and just keep going. She was the one candidate I thought could do that. What happened? She got a lot of scrutiny. A lot, you don't want a lot of scrutiny. And she got a lot of it. Does this stuff add up? The Medicare for all, the free college, all that stuff got killed. And guess who's going to get it now? Bernie's going to get it now. Bernie's going to ride high, and he's finally going to get scrutiny about his whole life, his ideology, his whole life, who he root for all his life. Who is this guy ideologically? It's not just the nice, good stuff like health care. Why, why does he say the stuff he does about Maduran people like that? Why does he say Denmark one week and then somebody else? I mean, I, people got to figure out who the guy is. Yeah. I think I know because I've, I've dealt with these guys most of my adult life. They're usually the guys at the card tables at, at an air war rally. They'll be there, some guy, old guy with some old literature from this socialist party or that, trying to sell it, trying to latch on to the anti-war movement. 
There's always guys like that. And they're usually, you know, as, as Howard Fine once said, non-negotiable demands, you know, yelling up at the administration building during the anti-war movement. I know them, but I think the country's going to get to know them. I think we got a problem. We'll see. But, you know, nobody's going to say it tonight. They're all going to be cheering. Good old Bernie. You know, I think I think he's going to win big tonight. Real wow. big. Real so, big. All right. That was Chris Matthews. That was the most truth I've come I've heard come out of that man's mouth in years. Mr. Thrill of his leg. I mean in years. He went back to 1972. It's when he went back to. That would have been the Nixon election with uh who was it? Uh, not Muskie. He went back to McGovern. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the bottom line is I'm just telling you he understands he- he says, it feels like the McGovern era all over again. I've been talking about this They're going to get for smoked months. in November. Dave. I believe they're, they're going to get, get buried. Smoked. And after this fiasco with the, with the, Ohio, uh, sorry, the Iowa caucus, I mean, they are so demonstrating their inability to even control their own party. I was thinking about the Tea Party and the differences with the GOP and all that. The Democrats have a much, much, much worse civil war going on within their party, and they are not managing it well at all. No, they're not. <laughs> the left, uh, who is only about a quarter of the party, is acting like they control the whole party. But and they they've are. Got they're not well, acting. They are. They've got the other part of the party running because they're running candidates against their own people in their party that's what i'm saying their far left faction has started to take over and the if you want to call them the moderates or the controlling faction the democrats they don't know what to do they have no clue how to fight this and well they don't they go along look at uh, pelosi she didn't want to do impeachment until she felt she had been backed into a corner and had to well and look at all the presidential candidates even the ones that have more or less said they were moderate everyone is really pushed left 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 and if we don't end up in a socialist versus capitalist populist election in november i will be totally surprised yeah i don't think they can stop sanders let me let me take a look at three things to give you a feel for what changed all right let's start off with health care absolutely biden's the only one that holds on on Obamacare. Every other one of those Democratic uh, candidates, maybe Buttigieg is a little bit more commonsensical at times, but most of them, it's going to be Medicare, Medicare for, for all. all. All right. And it's not possible. I'm just telling you, the cost will be enormous or the health care will be ridiculously bad. Do you want your health care to be handled like Iowa was last night? Really? Yeah. Really? Then you got Biden, you got Sanders, you've got Warren, you've got Buttigieg, you've got Klobuchar, all saying they want to get rid of uh, fracking. Let me just tell you (laughs) something. You want to know why the United States is the number one producer now of energy in in the world? Because of fracking. Fracking's what made us energy independent. That's what did it. That's why I went to Sam's over in North Little Rock yesterday, and I filled up at a dollar ninety-seven a gallon. Oh, it's gone down again. It was two oh three Saturday. A dollar ninety-seven a gallon. Now maybe you know you're out there and you go, yeah, but it's killing Mother Earth. Well, number one, no, it's not. It's not. And here, just hang in there because in another ten years. 
they're getting to the point where the electric car is going to be the car uh, that's going to be bought by most people. And suddenly everything that you've been wanting to happen, part of it's going to be done. The whole thing about the the, the internal combustion engine will be a, a piece of history. And then last but not least, they've all become ridiculous about climate change. Oh, every absolutely. one of them, every one of them make it, it, it. Usually you can watch each day and who's going to make the most draconian statement <laughs> about it. it. It's going to be in five years. It's going to be in 10 years. It's going to be in two years. It's happening next week. You know that the <laughs> world is going to end because of, uh, of, of climate change. It's ridiculous. They're crazy. And these are the things that they're focused on instead of the big issues that we're actually facing in our country. I'm appalled that Elizabeth Warren thinks the biggest problem we have is underrepresentation of trans people. No. I mean, really? Well, you said you had, what was the percentage? How many, how many people are trans in this country? In the United States? Yes. 0.6%. That translates to about 1.3 million people out of 300 and something, thou, uh, 300 and something million. Mm-hmm. But yet our whole agenda has to be driven by making sure that we take care of the trans people. Yeah. And, and how do, are they driven? Well, of course. Let's make sure they th- have their emojis. This, yeah. And this doesn't, <laughs> I know that I bring this up. And you go, Dave, come on. Well, let me tell you what this is. Your kids, if they have a ha- an Apple phone, they're going to grow up thinking that this with is okay. a phone with, uh, you know, these symbols on it of a trans flag. A transgender Santa a tra- Claus. A trans symbol, which I, I don't, what's the trans I symbol? What I mean, there's a man and there's a woman. Is it a combination of the two or something? Or is it Joe, like? You, you move it and it kind of shimmers and moves together or or what uh, a gender neutral bathroom sign a gender neutral santa a rainbow cat pinata this is this is the way they work in your uh culture to change your children's viewpoints on things that's what they're doing oh the uh, the gender the gender uh, trans symbol is the guy. All right, that's the circle, and then the the plus hook up underneath looks like a guy, and then the woman's got is a circle, and it's got a little arrow off the top. This one's got what two arrows on the top? Yeah, and the other arrow has the cross and the arrow. Oh, there you go. Okay, so the we'll put it on your page. I think it, it <laughs> it's kind of confusing, kind of like transgender people. So anyway. That's the bottom line. That's that's where it is. They're confused people. I'm sorry. You can write to me. You can stop me in the restaurant. You can do whatever you want and say, do you really believe that? Yeah, I think they're confused people. And most psychiatrists, most therapists will tell you that. And these these parents that want to give their kids hormones and stuff because that Five or six, they play with a, a Barbie doll? No, that's, folks, that's nothing but child abuse is what that is. And if there weren't so much garbage in our media all the time about determining what sex you may be and exploring your sexuality at age five, then, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of this. Children that age do not need to be burdened with things that their minds are not able yet to comprehend. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, at four years old, I was still eating mud pies. <laughs> I didn't even know what sex was I'm just until saying, I was about 10. Right? I'm just, you know, <laughs> I was eating mud pies. That's how smart I was. And now we take 12-year-olds and tell them, let them scream at us and tell tell us that uh, global uh, climate change is destroying the world and, and you you're taking away my future. And you should be ashamed. Yeah, and yeah. you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. Ashamed. Shame, shame. All right, it's uh, 13 minutes until uh, 9 o'clock. I had to get that out. My spleen was just overflowing on that one. Uh, 13 minutes until 9 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 62 degrees, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. All right, back with you. Uh, As you know, uh, tonight is the President's State of the Union Address, and uh, we will carry that live for you, plus the uh, address for the Democrat Party afterwards. Uh, And we're carrying the English version and then the Spanish version because they're doing two versions of it. Uh, So that will happen at eight, starting at eight o'clock to do that. It's 62 degrees, by the way, right now. Traffic's not too bad out there. We'll give you, do we have one more traffic update coming up? No, we're done for the day. Okay. Until this afternoon, we'll have traffic for you this afternoon. What I wanted to talk about is they, uh, they had the closing arguments yesterday on the uh, president's impeachment trial or the Senate trial of the impeachment. And uh, Jay Sekulow, who is our 5 o'clock uh, uh, show now here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. And I want to play a, a cut fr- from him today on this. It's going to be number two, just so you know, Zach. Uh so here's what he had to say, and then we'll talk a little bit about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. What this nation and what this president has just endured, what the House managers have forced upon this great body is unprecedented and unacceptable. This is exactly and precisely what the founders feared. This was the first totally partisan presidential impeachment in our nation's history and it should be our last what the house democrats have done to this nation to the constitution to the office of the president to the president himself and to this body is outrageous they have cheapened the awesome power of impeachment and unfortunately of course the country is not better all right that's what he said and the country is not better off for it uh secolo did really good during uh, the Senate uh, impeachment part of In yesterday's of closings, I really appreciated his emphasis on the damage that this has done to the structure yes, of our country. Yes, it has a lot. And Philbin talked also about the separation of powers and how, and all I can think about is we have three branches of government. We have one branch, which is our legislative branch. We have half of that branch, which is the Democrat Party, and they want to control two branches of government, at least, if not three, because they want to negate the judicial branch. They want to have nothing to do with the courts. They want to tell the president what he can and cannot do. And, of course, they're telling Congress what they can and cannot do. Who the hell do they think they are? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they think that they think that they're right. I don't understand how, but they think that they're right. They can right. think they're right all they wish. This is not the country that they need to be in. 
Yeah, well, they're attacking the president because they're upset that he beat they're uh, atta- Hillary. They're attacking the structure of our whole foundation of our exceptional country in this world because they don't like the man. Yeah, they that's are, true. They are the epitome of what's wrong. Just because you don't like someone does not give you the right to run every other idea and every other, every other concept out of the public square. Who do they think they are? Well, it, what's interesting is watching people in, in several instances kind of eating their own. And I'm not just talking about <laughs> Democrats. Are. I'm talking about Republicans as well. Uh, people who are literally attacking good people mm-hmm. and, and, yep. and calling them names and saying they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And, and they're good conservative Republicans. Folks, that's why I typically stay out of uh, primaries. Yep. Because you may have two people running against each other that are just as good. It's unfortunate that many times we've had two good Republicans in primaries and we'll lose yep. one or the other in that's that right. primary. And, and we're we, going to see that this time as well. There's several races that are exactly like that. Now, there's there several are some, races there that, are some that are there's not. not. For instance, Dan Sullivan against John Cooper, that's a no-brainer. I mean, that is that a no-brainer. But when you start making charges against people saying, well, they're saying that Tom Cotton and uh, and the lieutenant governor supports them. That's 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 sounding entitled. No, it isn't. It's trying to give you an idea of what they stand for. Well, I find it a little short sighted in a lot of ways. Uh, let's face it. We, you know, our environment. We have elected officials. They're the ones who run our government. They're the ones the elected. Sorry, the voters elected those people to run our government. And then the voters are going to turn around and say, oh, but if one of those elected people is behind you, then you're obviously corrupt. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Or. It wow, makes no he, sense. This person raised more money. Folks, I'm going to let me give you a, a 411 <laughs> here. All right. Money is the mother's milk of politics. If you don't have it, it's very difficult to win. And I'll make a perfect example. Jan Morgan was a fantastic candidate, a fantastic, excellent advocate for our point of view. All right. However, she didn't have enough money to make her case to the to Arkansas. Get out there in the media and And if you don't have money, you're at a decided disadvantage. I'm not saying you can't win because. It's a lot easier now to get your message out with social media that you couldn't do 10 years ago or 20 years ago for sure. But uh, I'll repeat it again. Money, whether you like it or not, is the mother's milk of politics. If you don't have it, you're in trouble. If you have it, it will cover a lot of problems. I can also understand where a lot of grassroots folks, and I'm certainly one of them, get real disgusted with these candidates telling us, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And, of course, the minute they get elected, John Cooper, we do exactly the opposite. 
I understand that He's frustration. He's a poster child. He's for... perfect for that. <laughs> I mean, you know, pretty pretty blatant and pretty obvious. I understand that people feel like they make their decisions based on the people they know. Mm-hmm. What I always want people to do is be open-minded and don't throw all the baby out with the bathwater. Don't be so unhappy, and I certainly have been, I've had my days. You know, I'm just going to stop everything, and I don't have anything to do with any I've of them, and I'm going to sit in the you, corner and say I? no. Yeah, I've rubbed you off have. on you. Well, but let's face it. To use the football analogy, you got to move the ball. You got to. If move you sit the in the ball. corner and refuse to play, the ball does not move. That's exactly right. That's all there is to and it. And there's people out there who don't want to play. Now, I mean, you can get out there and try to play a little bit, or you can decide you're not going to play because you're just going to stand on your principles. And by golly, you don't meet my you know, See, my one hundred item list this here. This is why I like Jan. Line. This is why I like Jan. Jan could have said, "I'm taking my ball home and no. I'm not playing." It. She's not no. done that. She's working within the party now to make it a better party. That's what's got to be done. I mean, that's why Jan's on my show. I love having Jan on my show once a week. I want an elected official who can actually get in there and hopefully try to make a difference. Again, you might be able to get that obscure individual elected, but they won't have any voice. They don't get heard. You don't have an in. All right. 62 degrees. Elizabeth, thanks for coming in. You're always I'll nice I'll see to you next me. week. We'll do this again. Tomorrow, the treasurer is going to be on in the first. He's getting up early to be on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you at 6 a.m. We got uh, Gallagher coming up. Then we got Rush. And then we have Hannity and Sekulo. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.